Hello and welcome to The Fundamentalist, the fandom podcast investigating all aspects of geeky media. Welcome to the I Disappoint Dad Club. I've spent my life trying to build something here. Growing up a non-white, non-straight girl in Blue Springs, Nebraska. I wouldn't wish to excite your anticipation. I never asked to be made! You're exactly the hero I wanted you to be. The theme song you just heard is Good Riddance by R. Soner, available on the Free Music Archive. My name is Kylie, and here with me are Gretchen. Hello! And Julia. Hi! The three of us write for thefandamentals.com for fundamentally sound fandom analysis, where we have all sorts of reviews and deeper analysis pieces and uh, news, I guess, to a degree, and sometimes trailers for geeky media space things. Other podcasts are there as well. And boy, am I doing a really good job promoting that. Uh (laughs) We also have a pretty cool store with some, like, nerdy fandom... Yeah. Geeky stuff. Dramatic satisfied. Satisfied. Yeah. And yep. if you are dramatically satisfied by this podcast, we have fundamentalist specific swag. I believe we have a shirt and a mug. Yes. Uh, yep. So support that. You can drink along with us and pretend that we're sipping coffee and talking over breakfast, even though that's not at all what's happening. But <laughs> no, that's I mean, that's what Gretchen we has a lapis mug. I have a Superman shaker bottle for my protein. Um, do you have any beverage, Kylie? Yes, I'm drinking water out of a NASCAR bud <laughs> beer glass. Okay, Kylie, you're overcompensating now. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <yeah. laughs> anyway, that aside... Can we tell them about the wonderful bioration joke that we made? <laughs> I was so mad the microphone wasn't on. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. While we're on the topic of Kylie's bisexuality, Julia made a really funny bio-erasure joke. No, because Gretchen made the joke, and I almost, I almost okay, choked. Okay, that is also bi-erasure. You're right, Excuse I'm bi-erasing me. the fact that it was Gretchen who yes. made the bi- I'm sorry, it was Julia who spit so, her water, but... We were talking about sports in the Olympics, and what mm-hmm. qualifies as a sport, and you, you were talking about how they were going to get rid of biathlon, and then Gretchen said, but that's bi-erasure. Just say I take it a sip, and my mouth was full of protein, and I couldn't laugh, and I didn't want to spit all over my computer. Liquid protein, really, guys. It was yeah, a protein shake. Liquid protein. <laughs> yes. It was really funny, too, because we had our cameras on, so Kylie and I are just, like, sitting watching Julia, like, Struggling not, not to, to spit protein <laughs> shake on her keyboard. Isn't that funny when we explain the jokes that happened off screen to you guys? <laughs> well, I wanted us to pretend to make the joke again. Hey, no. aside from badly explaining our own idiocy, what is it that we're doing on this podcast today? Well, um, first we're doing news. First even we're doing though, fandom news. Even though this is before Comic-Con, so there's no, like, our news will be completely out of date. <laughs> yeah, Yay. by the time you guys are listening to this, like, there's going to be so much more, like, relevant news going on because SDCC is this weekend. Yeah. And so, like, we're already behind. Like, as we're talking, we are already behind on yeah, news. Yeah, we're recording this on Friday night. So Sean just Spicer w- resigned. That's news. <laughs> yeah, let's report on that. So what That's we're going to talk news. about is just some news that has come out in the past two weeks, but probably not like the really exciting stuff everyone's going to want to talk about. So we apologize for your shittier listening experience. <laughs> in <laughs> addition, before we jump into that, I just want to lay out this podcast ahead of time. We are also going to be talking about bad boys and why we don't get the appeal. And <laughs> women who are villainized in... uh 
our media, which is kind of the uh, other side, the the flip side of the sexism coin of bad boys. So, yeah, going to be a good time. We have a nice fun segment coming up in between, which is going to be a new series of fun segments. And uh, you'll just have to see it once you get there. But until then... You're such a tease. Oh, I know. What is going on in the geeky world? D&D are making a new show! I was going to deal with race, which they're so great at coming Yay. on. So D&D are David Benioff and Dan Weiss of the wonderful Game of Thrones that Julia and I are having so much fun watching right now. Mm-hmm. And they... And I am not at all. Have a new not HBO show watching. in the works for after they are done with it. Called the good news is they'll be done with Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, yeah, that is the good bad news. news is the show is called Confederate, and it is a dystopia in which, well, I assume it's a dystopia. Who knows One how hopes. we're going to portray it? Where the South won the Civil War and slavery is still a thing. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that great? I mean, there was a documentary like that. I remember. Oh, like a, a mockumentary or whatever. Like an that alternate doesn't history. sound like a documentary. <laughs> well, it was like an alternate history documentary. And it was it was cool because like all all these like people escaped slavery to go to Canada and become university professors and talk about slavery on this documentary. It was, kind of- was this made in Canada? Because this sounds so. like very much like Canada is awesome. No, but it was it was kind of ridiculous because then like yeah, the what Confederacy is this Canadian propaganda? The and then they like they conquer all of South America. It was just like what? But yeah, okay. So we'll okay, you know how they conquered South America. Yeah, well, th- there was also that uh, Year of the Mer People documentary on yeah. the History Channel. That's what this is reminding me of. No, it was it was like you know like an alternate his- like imagine that you live in this alternate universe and here's a documentary from that alternate universe. But like, okay, why this alternate universe? Yeah, right. This is not the kind of alternate universe I feel like we should be talking about in our current like social and political climate. I mean, it could be done well. It's just I don't trust these two bozos to do anything well. Uh, yeah, they don't know how to write slaves in a fantasy world, much less like deal with <laughs> yeah. the uh, the outgrowth of some potentially historical event. And the and the current <clears throat> political climate, I think, is is the crux of it too, Gretchen, because it's like you know it, there there have been pieces that are like, what if the Nazis won? Mm-hmm. Like uh, there, there's that game that the name is slipping me, but they actually did a really good job of exploring this. But Nazis are universally agreed upon as you know bad. Well, well okay, so they slavery. were. I mean, there's, there's... No, 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 no. There's as, there much, are Ameri- there's as much fringe, like, the whole Nazis Julia, are good things as much of a fringe as slavery was a good thing. No, there's still people that claim the South was fighting for freedom. Well, like, yeah, but that's... Today. Then they kind of, like, minimalize just, like, the impact of slavery or anything like that. They just, they don't pretend Yeah, it's exactly. Good, and we also kind of have, like, I mean, there are the, there are the nuts, stuff. balls who talk about how, like, you know, black people are so much better off under slavery because, like, you know, they had jobs and shit. But, like, that's a fringe. That's, like, as much fringe as neo-Nazis. Yeah, but it's not a fringe for people from the South to talk about the Civil War as if it's about mm-hmm. freedom. Yeah. That's yeah. not fringe. Like, yeah. This is the arguments happening now at a time when there's like a lot of racial tension in this country and there's, mm-hmm. you know, the neo-Nazi movement on the rise too. Like this just kind of seems like it's giving them something, this, this alternate reality to be able to like revel in and be yeah. like, oh. But like the thing is about like, I don't think D&D like aren't, I don't. They're doubt, liberal. Yeah, I don't I just, doubt their liberal credentials. I just doubt their ability to understand their own privilege. <laughs> At that's, all? Yeah, yes. well, that's what—that's my point. This entire premise is based on privilege. You mm-hmm. wouldn't pick a show like this if you weren't coming from an incredibly privileged place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, and I think you talked about it, Kylie, in your, um, one of your asks, you have that ask video up oh, on I YouTube. Do. Yes, on Unabashed about, Book Snobbery on YouTube. Yes, we'll link that. Um, about how 
like, they're definitely, I mean, I won't say definitely, but, like, more likely than not going to do a storyline with, like, a slave and their owner, like, yeah. a romance. And, like, D&D &D aren't going to be able to, like, do that well because they can't, they don't even know how to write slaves, the relationship between, like, slaves and other people in Game of Thrones, which is a fantasy universe. So there's no way that they're going to be able to nuance, like, there's no such thing as consent when you are owned by another person. It, it was, yeah, like. exactly. And it was also a little disconcerting when they were asked, like, why do you want to do this? And Benioff says, oh, we're history nerds, but then he couldn't remember the name of the Battle oh of Antinum. <laughs> Doesn't it have a different name in the South? Bull Battle of Bull Run? Oh, That's yeah. yeah. The Battle of Sharpsburg. But you'd think they'd be able to think of one of them. You'd think they'd be able to name the battle. You'd also think they'd be able to characterize the battle correctly. Because they're like, oh, it's like that one part that, like, Lee messed up. But if he hadn't messed up, maybe... No, no, that's not what happened at all. No, the North what happened, what happened was dominated. that the North was, yeah, industrialized and had the support of other powers. And the South was, like, kind of, like... M McClellan yeah. didn't pursue the retreat and was an idiot. The war could have ended. But, like, even, like... Like, even if they'd won, like, that wouldn't have happened. Like, ugh. yeah. Okay, so, I think we are all on the same page of, like, this is... Yeah, this is, is unlikely why. to be good. <laughs> why? And yeah. hopefully this gets canned soon. But we can t we can talk about another uh, adaptation that may be good. I was actually going to say something else about. I'm hoping will be canned is, uh, the, oh. <laughs> is the Cowboy Bebop getting a live action Hollywood oh. adaptation. I love, I adore With Cowboy Bebop. I have such, yeah, I have such mixed feelings because yes, I love Cowboy Bebop, but like, oh, there's no way they're going to do it well. No one's going to do it. Well, first of all, why would you try to remake something that was perfect? Yeah, I don't know. Just, just, just tell people to rewatch Cowboy Bebop. Just like license it on your channel and play it all the time. Yeah. Like, it's like a, <laughs> I just don't see a live action going well with this. Like, I just see no. so many potentials for this to be bad. I mean, I'll check it out because I love Cowboy Bebop. And maybe there will be an updated score, which was one of the best parts about it. Yeah, the that soundtrack. score was really good. Yeah, the jazz, the jazz tracks. But like, ugh, I just, I just don't, I just don't get it. Got They're it. also apparently making One Piece. Yes, which was confusing. It's so long. Yes. Like that manga series is so long. Who asked for this? I don't know. <laughs> um, you know what also nobody asked for? Another Stargate series? Maybe yeah. Maybe I don't know. Apparently. It's I called Stargate Origins. Uh, I wonder yeah. if it's going to be about, um, I don't know if you guys know anything about Stargate, but if it's I going know. to be about when the gold still ruled Earth, it would be kind of cool, oh. I guess. It could yeah. be. I don't know. The information that I saw was very much like, we know there's a name for it, yeah. and it's coming. <laughs> We don't know anything else. That's like my favorite. That's like my favorite information that's going to be out. I wonder if Paul will be there. I like Paul. I cannot think of a transition into this, but <laughs> uh, Gretchen told let us know that Arrested Development season five is going to be a murder mystery framed all around the death of Lucille Ostero. Yep. So Lucille too. Her this sounds, this sounds, sounds better of her. I don't, no, or this sounds awesome murdered. to me. It could be awesome. Yeah. I no, like, like it, it could on, be. honestly, if there's one character whose murder is it's going to revolve around, like that would be one of the characters that would happen. Her or like Stan Sitwell or something like that. Yes. Um, oh, or what's his face? Oh my god, the guy who every time he says his name, he raises his arms. Why am I forgetting his name? Steve Holt. Steve Holt. <laughs> yes. Oh, Job's son. Don't kill him off. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think I think this might give the structure to Arrested Development that it desperately needed in yeah. season four. Yep. Make love in your own hand, mother. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's my favorite line from this whole show ever. <laughs> I love I, every everything about that. Buster's show just like my favorite because he's ridiculous. I kind of started, but it's hard to keep up with because there's too many scandals in DC. Arrested uh, DC. Uh, mm. It's a Tumblr blog, arresteddc.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, it's going to be really almost impossible to keep up with, but I, it, the quotes work so damn well. You don't have it's to, so- like, you know, do her every scandal, just when it gives you joy. Yeah, it's just too perfect. Yeah, yeah that's true. Too perfect. Uh-huh. Um, other exciting things. Yeah, Turf Wars is out on Wednesday, actually, and Griffin and I will have a review about it. Uh, you can kind of see how we're feeling about it already from this. But um, hopefully we give well-justified reasons. And in general, just like, you know, check it out. Support the artists. I think it's really cool that there is a Korosami story this front and center. Apparently they sold out of it twice at Comic-Con already. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, Dark Horse couldn't believe the supply. So that's really exciting. And, you know, it's always great to be back. Why couldn't believe it? I mean, why are they always surprised when things that, like, just like, they couldn't believe they ran in Ray Toys? Like, how is that a surprise? Like, seriously. What's wrong with you people? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good qu- Well, I mean, the the core pa- fandom is like super, super, super into this. Yeah. So, like, I think they did underestimate that. Um, you know, there's Griffin and I wrote a piece called uh, like Turf Wars Anxiety or something like that. Turf Wars, like the the Turf War comics are coming, and we are definitely something. Yeah, that's what it was called. And uh, we kind of laid out our concerns, and you know, yep, mm-hmm. our review will be on Wednesday. Uh, we're also then going to have a follow up piece with a much deeper dive into one specific thing on probably like Friday or Saturday. So, well, we're going to have a yeah, because we're and you're you're yeah. teeing us up too, but yeah, we're coordinating a big thing that plays into other media and such actually so. we'd really love to talk about this specific thing on a podcast too probably so yep. our next episode might be focused on it a Maybe. little bit yeah you yep. haven't had griffin on in a while <laughs> it's true um so apparently uh disney i, I didn't have a transition for this sorry guys um, <laughs> there's no transition ever into this disney is making a movie about a female santa that might be played by anna kendrick so is that Possibly less or more controversial than the female Doctor Who? Probably less. We didn't honestly. talk about the female Doctor Who. That's true. We did not. There's going to be a, a female Doctor Who and the the lady from Broadchurch well, no, no, who no, is no, no, amazing. No. There's going to be there's going to be a female Doctor. I, Doctor Who is not the name of the character. Doctor Who's the name of the show. You're right. I'm sorry. Except for when Emerson <laughs> was playing, in which in which case he was credited as Doctor Who for the entire series. Oh, I always thought of it like Doctor No. Yeah. No, his name is the character's name is the Doctor. Anyway, there's oh, going to be okay. a female doctor, and the actor yes. they have is amazing. Like, she's just amazing. Like, she's a comedian. Yeah. But if you watch Broadchurch, it will destroy your soul, and you will not doubt her chops for a second. Um, so. I love you that they got someone else. Church? Who? Um, Argus Frey. Walter oh. Filch. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I have this theory that, like, the pool for casting in BBC television shows is, like, ridiculously small mm. because... But it's like, a very talented pool. It's a deep pool. Yeah, but it's, like, a t- like it's a very small pool because, like, you will see one actor on, like, there every BBC show. I'm glad... No offense to Lena Headey. I think she's delightful. I would not have been able to separate her role on Game of Thrones No, from I mean, Doctor half Who. of her role on Game of Thrones is the wig, so... Yeah. would be fine. But Jodie Whittaker is going to be amazing. I'm glad they got mm-hmm. someone who's got some comedy background yeah. because I like my Doctor Who with a good dose of like 
camp and frivolity. No, like, doc- the so. doctor is all about the range, so. No, like, I, I really hope they that. let her be funny, though, because, yeah. uh, like, uh, Pema on Legend of Korra, she's, she's voiced by Maria Bamford, who is a hilarious comedian, and they didn't use that at all. What about the no, button game? Oh, for fuck, okay, yeah, the, the one thing in the final season, but, like, just let female characters be funny. I think they, I think they should at, at, with her as the main. Like it would be surprising if they didn't. Is what I mean. But I just, right. I really hope they lean into that. You know. Yeah, it just depends on which direction Chibnall, Chris Chibnall, the new showrunner. Yeah. It just depends on which direction he takes it. Like if he's going to continue with Moffat's more like dark and gritty Doctor Who, or if he's going to go back to more of a Russell T Davies or even classic Who style, which was a pretty like even mix of like camp oh, let and it be drama camp. yeah let it be camp. i like it campy i love campy shows there's that also that like sci-fi series coming out the krypton mm. series no yeah. it's funny because um when you when we were talking about stargate origins it's like another prequel <laughs> so this is yep. definitely going to be a prequel yeah. Yeah. yeah um really quickly the marvel and humans trailer dropped and i just want you to watch medusa's wig in it because it's the worst thing i've ever seen <laughs> is it worse than britney's wig on game of thrones it's so much worse uh we are distracted Ooh. by bad red wigs this year and <laughs> medusa's wig takes the cake i have no idea what they're thinking uh and then in the star wars fandom i'm just gonna hit rapid fire mm-hmm. number one there's these cute penguin like things called porgs and they're gonna be in star wars episode eight Okay, some of my friends are, like, freaking the fuck out about these things. I I don't get why anyone cares, but they're cute. I mean, they're cuter than Ewoks, so that's that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think they're going to be front and center like the Ewoks. Like, I don't think they're going to be, you know, teaming together with an invasion or anything. This is not going to be, like, the And then only one one of them will die in battle with the... Yeah, it'll be so tragic. Number two Um, is Monopoly. They don't have a... There's a Star Wars Monopoly. What is wrong with these people? Just, like... Fuck yeah, Hasbro all. wouldn't have a little Ray uh, I, t- token, right? Because people- yeah, well, like they original that was the original marketing. They said they weren't going to have a Ray because they didn't think people would like it. And then a bunch of people complained We're about like, it, and so they're like, like "Okay, what's never mind." Wrong with- She's the protagonist. What's right? Wrong with so, you? so Hasbro had changed its mind and said, "Yeah, of course we will include the the fucking protagonist <laughs> in this game." And then, like a week ago, decided, "No, wait, never mind. There's not enough interest." We're going to instead include first order pilot number one. And I just want them what? all to, yeah. Liter- no, literally the place, like the, the piece that is included uh, is just some random first order pilot. This is like, the dumbest thing. Like, why? No, this is so, so dumb. Like, no, 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 like Kylie you. just said it. This is the dumbest thing. Like, I don't understand. What's the issue? Just put the protagonist in your game. Nobody's emotionally connected to the thimble or the little shoe either. Okay, but like, so someone needs to go tell all those Ray cosplayers yeah, that like, there's no interest that they right that they really just need to change all their costumes to First Order pilot number one. Yeah, because clearly somebody, they're invested in the wrong character. Speaking of First Order, and somebody uh, needs to tell uh, those people who are restocking like Kylo Ray stuff in the one dollar bins in stores everywhere. Kylo that Ren, he's. Uh, uh, I have a, I don't even know what the fuck his name is. That's Ren, how much yeah. anybody cares about him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Because they literally have, like, Kylo Ren shit just, like, sitting around mm-hmm. and people aren't buying it. And, like, they cannot keep the Oh, Ray shit. This stopped. would have been the perfect transition for us. But Ugh. there's one more piece of Star Wars news that's too hilarious for me not to say it. Ugh. And that's that, you know, those, you know, those books, like, like, uh, there's going to be the Teenage Leia book we talked about. Yep. Well, thank the gods, Captain Phasma is getting a book. I mean, it's- it could be good. She's a she galactic actually, house of cards. She could actually be a very interesting character. Just It wasn't on the screen at all. How does she fit in with house of cards at all? I don't know. Maybe, like, there are shenanigans that she's involved in. 
Oh my god, maybe it'll just be completely unrelated because whoever we had on screen had nothing to do and with like, anything. And like Gwendolyn Christie so. kind of has the same uh, haircut as the chick from House of Cards. Robin <laughs> Wright. So yeah. maybe that's the connection. <laughs> god. I mean, I guess we're all going to get treated to the inner workings of the First Order of politics. Yeah, that could be I mean, it could be like an interesting be. political drama. That could yeah. be that could be really interesting. I just love that Phasma is such a freaking terrible. Does she character. does she get a little icon in the Monopoly game? I don't know. Oh my god, if she does, I'm gonna flip the Monopoly board. Okay, see, but the thing is she's not a terrible character, she's just not a character. Like she is literally just a shiny suit of armor in that she's film. She's a toy. <laughs> So maybe yeah. if so, she's a toy, she should be in Monopoly. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But speaking of things that confuse us, you know things that also confuse us? Bad, bad boys. boys. I'm not going there to die. I'm going to find out if I'm really alive. We're going to talk about bad boys. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm fine, Gretchen. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, I'm going to lead this because I, of the three of us, I probably have the strongest feelings against bad boys. Aversion, I would say. Yes, aversion. I have a very strong aversion to bad boy characters. Um, I don't even, I can't quantify why. Like, I don't, it's not, I don't know. It's not like trauma from my past or anything. I just don't understand them. They make no sense to me. Like, why am I supposed to like them? Yeah, Kylie brought up a good point. Like, Kylo Ren is like, to me, like the epitome of this trope is he's just like, moody and like wears black all the time and hot apparently apparently hot i know i'm sure adam driver is lovely and very attractive to some people (laughs) (laughs) like i think i think what gets i think okay so i think what gets me the most about the bad boy trope is that like okay so let's define this trope let's start with that what is the bad boy they are like um non-conventional in terms of like they resist authority typically like resistant to authority um defy social conventions they will treat often be like yeah treat people like shit they're oftentimes a huge asshole they usually um, yeah like have antisocial behavior uh-huh um, th- usually they'll have like a heart of gold or a difficult home life that kind of stuff you know yeah, mm, they're, yeah often a tragic backstory maybe yeah like a like a broken bird kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um. Did we mention leather jackets already? We mentioned black. leather jackets, leather pants, black. Maybe they smoke. Like headgear. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um. If we're talking like '90s, then they would have had a lot of gel in their hair. <laughs> um. I'm just thinking of some of the names we have on this list, and I'm like, there was a lot of gel. Yeah. Uh, yeah there, <laughs> a there's a lot gel. of hair gel on this list. Yeah. But even without the hair gel, like, hair. Like, there's it, something about bad boys mm-hmm. having, like, luscious hair. heads of hair. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Like, yeah, it almost always is the troubled the troubled backstory. Yes. Yeah. Which is the it, excuse but... for all his asshole behavior. Of course. Right. Right. And it's so, like, to me, like, it feels so pandering. Like, that they are so, like, that, that bad boy characters are so, oftentimes so clearly written to be, like, sexually appealing, but also dangerous. That I'm just like, yeah, but like, well, I don't like that. Stop trying to make me like it. Stop trying to tell me that this is what I want. Just this is what I'm because... supposed to be attracted to. Yeah, right? Like, but I'm not. So, so stop it. <laughs> um, cause typically they are. Like, they're written to be like the sex symbol a lot of times. Like, cause they're sexy and dangerous. There's something about that, com- like, that combination. And they don't want to come like, to you. Yeah. Yeah. But you're like the one yeah. woman who can, who can make them. And commit, their choices, like, their choices might get you killed, but maybe, but maybe not. And maybe it'll be worth it, even if they do. 
Best <laughs> from Okay, so like examples. Yeah. Sawyer from Lost. So, yeah, okay, so Sawyer is like interesting because he kind of starts out that way. Yeah, he has development. That, Say he will, he actually has development. Develop. <laughs> yeah. I only watched the first season, so all I know of him is that he that's who he is. Yeah, yeah I mean, that was all he was in season one. Then basically he, he and Kate started banging and he mellowed out a lot. Even though the love triangle of Doom from that show was just oh my gosh. of Doom. And then Juliet came in and it was and like it a was trapezoid. Love, yeah, love trapezoid. Oh god, oh. it was bad. Jess from Gilmore Girls is maybe one of my favorite examples because, like, he always had the cigarette hanging out of his mouth, and he had the yeah. jacket, and he had the greased hair. The thing is, like, he was smart, mm-hmm. and they made Dean really stupid in season two and three. So, you, like, you understood the appeal from Rory's end, but at the same time, oh, you knew he was a bad boy, and like, he he got a black eye, and she assumed it was a fight, but it was a swan. <laughs> <laughs> he was troubled, and then <laughs> then he like didn't tell her anything he just stopped talking with to her basically and the relationship fell apart because <laughs> that's kind of what happens when you don't communicate and then audrey from so, twin peaks was there mm. yeah at least at least the show is pretty condemning about his actions yeah. you know like i understood the appeal for rory's character at the time but it was when also she very was, obvious like, like, 16 yeah yeah like it's also very obvious she's a 16 17 year old girl like laurel even says you know it's time for her to be with a jess yeah so yeah spike from buffy <laughs> see okay so he this is the one ex- this kind is of bend in it. <laughs> this is my one exception mm-hmm. this literally this is my only exception to my aversion to bad boys is when i was in high school i liked spike yeah do you like but him I'm, now in retrospect um i like him significantly less <laughs> because of like things that happen in later parts of the season that i don't like Um, but he was the one exception and a lot of it was because like, I mean, he just had, he was funny. Like he was like snarky and like, yeah, like in high school. Yeah. He was my one exception to the bad boy thing. It's funny because not really, it's not really an exception to the thing. I kind of liked Logan from Veronica Mars. I never watched Veronica Mars. I always thought he was very weaselly. I didn't care for him. Hmm. Every time, every time, like there'd be something with them, I'd be like, you know, Kristen Bell, you can do better. Yeah, it was just always my. I mean, I I never like shipped them. I just thought the character no. was interesting. I think he was well done, but I don't think the show made a ton of excuses for him either because she didn't have very much patience. No. So mm-hmm. yeah. Although apparently in the Veronica Mars movie, they like really played it up or something. I I don't know. I haven't seen it, but I heard that they like played it up too much, and there were like these lingering shots of like the actor taking his shirt off like as if it's just fulfilling all these like teenage girl fantasies from whoever was watching Veronica Mars. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, you know, I threw on Daniel from Freaks and Geeks. This is uh, this is James Franco's character from Freaks and Geeks because he's kind of had the bad boy vibe. Mm. I mean, he was stoned out of his mind like the entire <coughs> show. I prefer to be high in life myself. <laughs> oh my god, Millie. What a, what a icon. God. I mean, Danny, Daniel was like, he was a troubled dude. Um, but he kind of had a heart of gold in a way. Like, he played Dungeons and Dragons in that last episode and he had a good time. Uh, he was just so directionless and just didn't have any, like, authority figures that cared. And it was just one of those kids falling through the cracks. And Lindsay was super into him for the first couple of episodes. But then, like, his appeal kind of quickly died for her, I think. Mm. So, again, like, the narrative didn't excuse him so much. He was obviously the most attractive on the show. So yeah. there's an appeal in just that way. Physically, because, yeah. Yeah. 
Although I was kind of a Seth Rogen fan at the time. Oh my gosh. Of course you were. I, well, yeah, and I mean, I also had like a giant crush on Lindsay because, like, of yeah. You did. Well, yeah, I mean, come on. She was, like, the best character by a lot. And I shipped her and Kim a little bit. We're, I'm just get, we're getting into the weeds. Oh. Hey, let's talk, let's talk quickly about Loki and Jacob Malfoy, then we can talk about our bugbear. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Loki, I, uh, Loki just, oh. Ooh. I don't get it. I don't I get don't it. Either. Is he even a bad boy? He's kind of annoying. I mean, like, and, like, he's, like, he's literally the villain. And, like, you can tell, like, what's his face? Hawkeye, Tom Hawkeye. Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Like, Loki is so less attractive than he is. Like, you could by tell a lot, by a significant not margin. to make him attractive. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they give him I, the greasy, gross hair. Yeah. And, yeah, totally. And Tom Hiddleston is, like, a Disney prince. Yeah. Like, good yep. God. And yet... And yet, people, st- I don't understand. Yeah. Like, this is one where I literally, like, I, I scratch my head when I see people. Is not he Tom even Hiddleston. a bad boy, though? Like, he's such a little piss baby. He's, he's Kylo Ren. He's another tryhard. Yeah. He's like, I'm so bad. I'm gonna kill you, Dad. Then you'll love me. Yeah, he's like the modern iteration of the bad boy. Yeah, yeah you're right. That's exactly what it Cause is. Because the modern iteration of the bad boy is not quite so, like, Hard on the outside, squishy on the inside. It's just like I'm a whiny edge lord on the outside, <laughs> and, on the and there's very little redeeming on the inside <laughs> oh that God. is not made up by fans. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Actually, speaking of redemption, we skipped o- we skipped over Zuko on our list, and I think we skipped over him because we like him. Yeah, well, he's a good character, right? He's a really good character. But there's but like, the, totally- like the Zuko is like exactly like what I think like the writers of Loki, for example, were trying to do, but for some reason the fan didn't respond to that. <laughs> Right, like, oh like he God. was a complete asshole, and there was a reason for it. So then he had an arc. Right? Yes, mm-hmm. I mean, like that's Zuko is, but it doesn't yeah, glorify like, his assholeness. Right, he's the victim of violence yeah. and abuse at the hands of his father, and he chooses to break the cycle and push towards betterment and push towards healing. And it's certainly not perfect, and it's certainly not. It's you know what I think the best success of Zuko is that it wasn't linear. Yeah. He yes. slipped yeah. really yes. heavily, and that was great. Mm-hmm. And it was great to watch it and great to see the way it was, like, eating him up and, and his ultimate decisions. And it was a redemption arc um, that, you know, truthfully, I, I have found it, it was the most affecting the first time I watched it. And each subsequent time, I'm not finding a ton more there than I already got out of it. And that's not to say it was badly done by any means. It's just, like, that's where my interest lies with rewatching Avatar. Now it's not there. It's usually with Azula. Mm. Um yeah, but, you know, I think Even Zuko... still, Crosses of Destiny, good episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, Zuko is this this trope done really well, mm-hmm. because there aren't excuses made for him in book one, mm-hmm. when he's at his most asshole-ishness. And, like, even though you understand where he's coming from, yeah, like it's storm. very difficult to excuse his actions, like, in Crossroads of Destiny. Yeah. It's very difficult to excuse anything, and I don't think you're really completely able to. Um, right, and there's... I feel like... As much as I'm not super happy all the time with the way they handled Katara in this situation, I think at least having someone on the team being like, guys, why are we letting Zuko hang out with us? (laughs) Like, why though? Like, helped, at least I appreciated that because in a real life situation, like, there would be someone being like, okay, he tried to kidnap you and tell you to sell you to the Fire Lord. Why are we hanging out with him? Yeah. And, you know, it was great too because when, they sort of repaired things. It was Zuko and Katara sort of sympathizing about their own darknesses yeah. in an interesting way. And that's right. sort of what gave her that acceptance, you know? Right. But even and- just, like, the fact that, like, 
the narrative never like allowed the team to voice discomfort yep. with like his redemption arc, I think is like worked really well. And I yes. think something that is often left out in like the redemption of like a bad boy character. And they kind of like made fun of this too. Cause Zuko's, what am I going to do? Just, Hey, Zuko here. <laughs> like, like, how do you, how do you walk up and be like, I'm redeemed. I mean, like, like it didn't like it took an entire episode. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for them to even did. like consider and- accepting him. Right. Yeah. And that was pretty funny. Him like yeah. planning yeah. out his own introduction <laughs> yeah. of like, I'm yeah. a good person. I mean, he has, he has some fans, but it's not like the way Mako the bad boy has fans, you yeah. know, which was oh, just Mako ridiculous. Isn't in so- any way a bad boy. I'm sorry. He never was. Um, in season one, a little bit when he's like, I used to crunch numbers for the gangs. And then Cora calls him like, she calls him city boy. At one point, like, he's the, I don't, I don't know, like, a little bit. They tried to be, like, a little, like, oh, my parents are dead and I crunched numbers. <laughs> he ran numbers, darling. He ran numbers. Crunching yeah. numbers is a totally different thing. Yeah. No, he crunched them. That's what I want to put. <laughs> Did he wear one of those visors and use one of those animals? He was an actuary. Mako the, 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 the triad paper pusher. <laughs> I'm sorry, mafia accountants and lawyers are the most badass characters. Wait, <laughs> let's talk about Draco Malfoy, because there is a bad boy I don't understand. Oh, it's an interesting why? case. Bad boy. It's an interesting case, because, again, the bad boyness is all in the fandom, and the canon is, like... Like, you he's know, just a whiny little shit. Yeah, like in, in book six, he's like trying really hard and he's Kylo Ren. Yeah. And he's like, he ends up like crying in the bathroom because he can't, like, no, but it's like, it's not funny. Like, you know, he's, he's trying, he's trying yeah, to be like, like this. Just when you put kind of, it that way, like, he's just that much of a tryhard. Yeah, well, yeah, he's, he's trying, trying so but, hard to be evil and yeah. he can't do it. So but he he's cries. also like trying so hard to be evil because he has a like gun to his head. So yeah, it's a right. devastating scene in a devastating situation, but the whole bad boy yeah. element, like, he's, he's just a really privileged shit. Yeah, but he's also like a victim here and like people don't recognize that. Because he's oh, a little oh, shit. Oh, I'm sorry. Was signing up for the fascist movement not as fun as he thought it would be? <laughs> exactly. But like, I'm really sorry to hear that. But how much choice did he have in that? Right. Like, well, it was because it was it was about Lucius. I know. Yeah. But you know, no. Again, like, like you, it, you don't. It's you really have... difficult for me to yeah. care that much. But the, like, I don't know. Like, just like when, when, like, you know, like the Harry and the rest of them are like framing him as this like evil dude, and he's really just a scared kid. You know, uh-huh. like this is this is a six year old yeah. kid who's been like told to go murder somebody or else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely not a bad boy. Is my point. No, but then no. But then you read Harry Potter fanfic. And, no, he's and the he son. Of, and he's you the think son that of two he's, Nazis, basically. Yeah. Is what he is. yeah, yeah. So okay, so it seems like especially nowadays that like bad boy doesn't mean the same thing that it used to. Because like what we think of as bad boy. Is like someone who like maybe did drugs or at least looks like they maybe did drugs, like wears a lot of like Highlighter. dark clothing. Um, like you're on like Greyjoy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! He's just so intimidating, Kylie. I can't handle it. My vagina can't handle it either. He didn't so want to be late for the My Chemical Romance concert. <laughs> but like, there's a difference between like that and like a privileged whiny edge lord. Like, who's trying really hard. But that seems to be what most of the modern-day bad boys are. Are these just, like, super privileged guys who, like, are trying really hard to be evil um, and just end up looking like piss babies? Isn't that kind of perfect in our cultural context, though? Like, especially with this whole, like, fascism is a cool, edgy aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, yeah, it's, like, cool, edgy aesthetic 
bad boys. And, and, right, and, right. Like, like Kylo Ren being like, oh man, I'm going to be so badass. I'm going to have cr- like, like the crossbar on my uh, lightsaber and have these jagged little things that serve really no purpose. And just like increase the risk of injury. <laughs> yeah. Right? I'm going to, I'm going to like put my, my grandfather's like melted like mask in a pile of the ashes of my enemies. No, it's yeah, funny, like, I think, I think you said this, Gretchen, or somebody's on Tumblr said this was like, um, when the first trailer came out, everybody was bitching about that crossbar. And then, but when yeah. you get to know the character, it makes such perfect sense. Yeah. And you're like, nobody's yeah, like allowed to say anything bad about this movie, okay? Fuck you, Red Letter Media, it's perfect. My friend Jason, he, I went to see it with him mm-hmm. when it first came out, and he was like, yeah, you just expect, like, the underside of the lightsaber to have a little skull sticker on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you put it on. <laughs> Uh, right. It was a great movie. I don't care. To yeah, no, you're right. Like, that has evolved. Like, <laughs> yeah. our, our conception of a bad boy. And I guess it's just like, cause the idea of, you know, the James Dean smoking a cigarette with a leather jacket. Yeah. Well, like, okay. So you, so you do that. And like. Well, and I think one of the other thing that's interesting is I just thought of this is like some of these bad boy characters are not, they're not necessarily anti-authority or even mm-hmm. anti-society. No, but there's, yeah. there's like. Like, they're, they're actually like with Kylo Ren, with Draco Malfoy, with like, Loki even like they're specifically figures who are like existing within a art like a paradigm yeah. like instead of outside of a paradigm and being like oh I hate society because they don't understand me it's like no I'm part of like an evil fascist yeah. like my family's are is fascist and I don't know any better or how to get out of it so I'm going to do that or like Kylo Ren is like I think fascists are cool so I'm going to become one I want to glorify the dude who tortured my mom right like that's like that like to me there's like a fundamental difference there between like a character who like feels misunderstood and ostracized and therefore like rails against society versus like a character who's just like signing up with the bad guys because it's edgy edgy yeah Mm -hmm. like that's a fundamentally different idea that is, and it's concerning. And that's probably why I don't understand modern bad boy. Or, I mean, I don't really understand the old ones either, <laughs> to a certain extent. But, like, no, especially but not, like, are... modern bad yeah, boys and just, like, the yeah. why. I mean, I think, I think they're both about, like, some kind of disconnect with what is supposed to be, like, a cultural norm. Because, like, the old bad mm. boy was kind of rebelling against, kind of rebelling against the kind of straight-laced society. But the new bad boy uh. is kind of, like, rebelling against liberalism, I suppose, in a way. You know, mm. liberalism and inclusiveness. And can can like people that. stop finding this hot, like, real soon? <sighs> right. I, never found, I mean, like, Please. sometimes the actor who plays a bad boy is hot, but the character's never hot, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, not to me. Except Han Solo, because he's not actually a bad boy. Han Solo no. is, like, the yeah. furthest thing from a bad boy ever. I just love him. I mean, first of all, his backstory is like about how he took a privilege, uh, he took a, a principled stance against fascism and got kicked out of the military for it. <laughs> like, well, that's, that's, his, that's backstory. his backstory. Oh my god. That's what it's yeah. going to be now. But yeah, that, that's okay. his backstory in the original canon. Yeah. Well, like, in my head, like, Han Solo is like the Hufflepuffest of all the Hufflepuffs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's, like, then he's he is like loyal to, to a fault. Yeah. <laughs> like, to commit to him. <laughs> three right? years, guys. Yeah. That's love. Yeah. And he keeps saying he's going to leave and yet never does because, like, he never would. Like, he's decided he's loyal even though he says he's not. Like, right. so, so our point is find yourself <sighs> a Han Solo and not a Kylo Ren. Yes. Yes. That's a good point. Like, like, oh, yeah, that's father, his son. not like Whoops. son. <laughs> <laughs> and I will finish what you started. 
prequels. <laughs> okay, so the Star Wars prequels are like the most extra thing ever. The only thing that's more extra oh than the gosh. Star Wars prequels is Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So we have been kind of wanting kicking around this segment mm-hmm. idea for a while. But um basically like you know those plinket reviews, the red letter media reviews of the prequels? Yeah. That rip into yep. every fiber of its being. We could do that for Game of Thrones so easily. Yeah. And no one really realizes it because I don't know, did the prequels win any awards? Certainly not for writing. No, right? they won they won like um, special effects awards and stuff like that. I remember they were nominated yeah. the Phantom Menace was nominated for a special effects Oscar. Okay. But like they weren't winning outstanding no, drama. They weren't or... winning outstanding drama. Yeah, but they're the same. Mm. They are the same. There, there are many ways in which they are the same. Yes. And what are the many ways that they are the same? Well, well is number one. Number one. Today well, we're going to talk about ways in which these are both good. Yes. And that yeah, is start out with something positive. production value. And um I think in this in this era Game of Thrones wins kind of by long shot. Uh not just because it's twenty years afterwards, but like Because it's not directed by George Lucas. It's not directed by George Lucas. <laughs> so um the actors can actually like show the fact that they can act. Because the actors who are on Star Wars were not bad actors. I mean like you know, fucking Natalie no. Portman and like Liam Neeson, those are good actors. <laughs> Hugh McGregor. Yeah. Like, they can all argue so. The, the scripts, the scripts are equally garbage, mm-hmm. but the reason the Star Wars actors seem even worse is because, because the they are stuck on a couch mm-hmm. with a green screen behind them, and that's how they do every single scene. Yeah, right. and Game of Thrones really goes out of its way to you know, film on location, and mm-hmm. yeah, it just yeah. gives them more to play with. And uh, although truthfully, like I'm sorry, is Hayden Christensen that much worse than Amelia Clark? I haven't, I honestly haven't really seen him in anything else, so I have zero yeah. idea. I mean, I saw him in Life as a House. How was that? He was good in it. Yeah, better than Amelia Clark emoted. was in, what else is Amelia Clark in Terminator? Terminator, Genesis. and she was dreadful. Yeah. And she's apparently dreadful in the Han Solo movie. Like, she's so dreadful that, like, it's a major problem. They had to problem. fly someone in to teach her how to act. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm sure she's lovely. Um, wasn't but she, like, the hottest like, woman in the world two years in a row or something? Yeah, well, okay, so with with acting for the prequels, like, Ewan McGregor is a fantastic actor. Yeah, and he, like, he, he managed to put some life into that character, even though, like, the Liam life Neeson is a yeah, fantastic Yeah, by, like, turning everything that he did into flirting and sass, yeah. which, hands down, is one of the best things about the prequel movies, is, like, sass master, drama queen, flirty McFlur face, <laughs> like, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, literally, he flirts with anything that moves. Like Which it, is hilarious because then he's, he's in this like repressed Jedi order, right? No, like apparently right? they're allowed to have sex, but they're not allowed to be in love, right? God, I'm sorry. It is is just, this like the wall? Are they like the Night's Watch? I'm sorry because we were trying to say like nice things, but mm-hmm. it is just tragic what they did to like Liam Neeson and Christopher Lee. Like, <sighs> yeah, like Natalie can, Portman, you, they can all act. No, you can see like the kind of like that kind of like vacant, like I'm dying trying to picture my giant paycheck expression in their eyes, you know. <laughs> Like Samuel L. Jackson must have been so fucking bored. No, just he was talking like this is yes, like you read Letter Media go into this actually a lot about like the whole like why did they cast fucking Samuel L. Jackson to like mumble? <laughs> okay, wait, why are we saying that these two shows are the same in production value? Because obviously mm-hmm. for direction and action and, and acting, we think that Game of Thrones wins a lot yeah. more. But like the prequels are visually beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they haven't aged as well as I think George Lucas hoped they would. Uh, like. You're right. Yeah. But. Well, the wipes. It's the wipes. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Like this. Yeah. Screen wipes are just. No one does that. This isn't. This is not PowerPoint. We don't do that anymore. (laughs) Um, but like the cot, like I know that there are issues of like appropriation and stuff, especially with um, like Amidala's costumes. There are issues with like cultural appropriation. So, like I acknowledge that. Like, and her costumes are fucking gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. Like. Like, so like stunningly beautiful. It, it kind of reminds me of Game of Thrones because, like, they're so elaborate. Like, there was one headpiece that weighed 20 pounds and she could only oh wear it for gosh. 10 minutes at a time or else she would have neck damage. You know? Like, they're so... Right? And, like, you can, like, there's, like, so much handwork on them and so much, like, design. Mm-hmm. But, like, what did it add exactly? You know? That kind of reminds right. me of Game of Thrones, too. Well, yeah, yeah. Where it's just, like, these are, like, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like... It's like a visual feast yeah. in some ways. Yeah, like, like it's a feast for the eyes. It's gorgeous, but like what is this doing? Except like completely break your story. suspension of disbelief. I mean, this isn't nearly as much a problem no. in Game of Thrones. But like you know, like she has that the the thing that made Kylie realize that she was not straight, where she like comes out of bed with her hair like all crimpled. Oh my and, god, like, her magical bathroom. Yeah, it's like y'all. that's what she sleeps in? Okay. Well, like, I think my favorite part is, you know, they're, they're running away because she's like, you know, there's assassins after Uh her and she changes into this just gorgeous backless dress so they can like go hang out in these lovely spots. And have like dinner served to them. It's like, what is happening? (laughs) Like, Like, there's no reason for you to be changing your outfits this much, lady. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get to the last film and they're like, she's pregnant. Let's make her maternal by giving her sack dresses. Sorry, I'm very salty about her costumes and turn I'm very salty about uh, uh, not that one. I'm very salty about her entire character. Revenge of the Sith. Well, meanwhile, on Game oh of Thrones, gosh, yes. you know, you've got, like, Cersei wearing that stupid black dress with shoulder pads. But, oh, wait, there's two of them. There's two of them that they designed and embroidered. And, and then they made another set for Sansa and another set for Daenerys. Because every woman is wearing these, like, <sighs> black, quote-unquote, battle dresses. Yeah. This immaculate and like, there's so much thought put mm-hmm. into like every stitch you can tell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or or um, like in Dorne when they have those like poofy pink dresses and but there's two of them because they have completely different embroidery <laughs> that we were supposed to notice. Yeah. Yeah. Now now a big difference between uh, GOT and prequels is that the prequels you know is relies so much on CGI and rendering things into a, a green screen environment, whereas right. GOT like builds their sets. Yeah, but there's so, a lot. There is a lot of like computer stuff in Game of Thrones, but it's much. Oh, totally. It's much better integrated, probably just because so many years have passed and the technology is there now. In a way, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, but like, you know, for, for, uh, prequels, they look good. Like, something the Jedi archives looks amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can also tell that there's nothing that the actors are actually interacting with except for the one desk, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. And as much as like, um, so Ian and, um, Nick and I do, like, we've been doing our, like, rewatch of, Star Wars that we've been been a bit on a break because schedules have been clashing. But like, yeah. so one of the things that like Ian and I especially complained about with um, Revenge of the Sith is all of the shots of like arriving at a new planet. Yeah, <laughs> like they're like they're literally always arriving at a new planet. Like as much as I criticize that, like it's really pretty. Yeah, like that is one thing. Like an area where I think the CGI is really well done. The lightsaber battle took something like twenty two thousand man hours. Oh god, you know. Yeah, but like. For what purpose? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. That, you know what? Because the lightsaber battle between Obi-Wan and Anakin, mm-hmm. to a T, reminded me of Battle of the Bastards yeah. or Hard Home. Just these oh. crashy, ooh, look at the spectacular, look at what yeah, we're Yeah, like, like that, that zombie kid with the, like, collapsed ribcage looked awesome. 
to yeah. what purpose? For what purpose? Right. And but the, like, there's so much money spent. Yeah, all of those horses put- that you didn't have time to train. Like, <laughs> God. it's an achievement, you know. But it's 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 a cake made out of shit again. Yeah, yeah, and and part of the cake made out of shit too, which we didn't touch on, is the fantastic musical scores for both oh, of them. Man. You've got John Williams for mm-hmm. Star Wars, like, which I hope God. he's earned his keep at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I kind of was like a little skeptical about him still staying around for uh, Force Awakens, honestly. Yeah. But he's just like, I mean, you can't like as, so- as as long as he's still alive, you can't have anyone else. Is the problem right? I agree. Right, Legend of Zelda. You should have done that with fucking Breath of the Wild and Koji Kondo, but yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and then uh, Raman Dejwandi for uh, Game of Thrones. Yes. Like, I say a lot of mean things about the show, but the the music is not one of them. No. But no, although I have beautiful. to say, the last couple of seasons, it's been a little not uninspired, but like you can tell, like all, anachronistic. Yeah, but like all of the like yep. really good work was done in like season one and two. Now they're just like repeating themes, which is normal that you just like you know repeat the same themes or whatever. Well, it's but normal and like and also there's nothing like, new I can be. Of in the last two years that really moved me the way that like you know the Baratheon theme moves me and like the theme song like Daenerys' theme that really like you know every time I hear it, I'm like oh god or the children remember the children oh, oh my god yeah. that was such a good that was the end of season yeah. four that was so good uh, yeah you're right I mean the, the light of the seven that closed out last <laughs> season was hilarious to me but it maybe in a different context it wouldn't have been yeah. What about the plinky? You have like the plinky music or yeah. whatever. That yeah, yeah, did. yeah. That's that's what I was talking about. That's yeah. Light of the Seven. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't um, even know what it's called. But uh, on the other hand, like a hero falls or across the stars, that beautiful love theme that uh, John Williams wrote for Padme and Anakin, yeah. like uh, much more not. interesting than the actual relationship or uh, yeah. Battle of the Wills. Yep. Oh God, probably had a lot more thought or put Battle into that. Duel of the Duel of the I'm Fates, my love. Yeah. No, but the music from Star Wars just like can't. Like, it always moves me. Yeah. yeah. And John Williams can really pull off that, like, you know, cliche of the chorus going, oh, in the background. He does that really well. <laughs> and I mean, all you need from him is do, 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 do. And then, like, yeah. you're in tears. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He's mm-hmm. got that to fall back on for all of eternity. Yeah. And the stark tale of extreme emotional significance is, like, we laugh every time we hear it now because there's always something ridiculous going on. It's like, <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah, but it's beautiful. Like it makes you yeah, want to play the really ch- like learn the cello so you can play it. Really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, both shows are have the monies or the but both pieces of media, I should say, have the monies behind them, and they I think they used it and appropriated it as well as they really could in some. Well, I mean, okay, Game of Thrones <laughs> questionable calls, but yeah. they make it they they give you a package that looks. Good. Yeah, well, there's there's no yeah. question that the people involved in these particular areas, like in the set design and scores, like in co- costumes are a little different on Game of Thrones, but like the people have the like they have the technical skills, they know what they're doing. Yeah, and and, and I do think <laughs> I think Game of Thrones actually wins out a bit yeah. in this department, not just because the technology's evolved, but because the direct moves yeah like it's not shot reverse shot you know mm-hmm. so yeah. just just not i mean there's some like but- there's some like there's some art through adversity going on on game of thrones at least in non-writing areas yeah but to uh to give you an idea of the segments coming up ahead and what we're going to touch on we're going to talk about straight through characters character journeys social issues logical coherence political complexity overall messaging pacing action sequence and the value of honeypots hooray uh so Woo-hoo! we've got some we've got some fun stuff coming up for you but uh until then we need to transition out of this and into our final segment which is going to be on villainous women impossible perhaps the archives are incomplete all right so when i said villainous women i meant actually demonized demonized women, by who? That, fandom. fandom 
Yep. In the same way that bad boys are attractive to the fandom. <laughs> yeah. Fandom is... <laughs> Yeah, uh, mm. and what's what's funny is that like I think it takes very little for women to be deemed villainous. Oh yeah, while villains are deemed worthy of our time and consideration if they're male. So Gee. That, that's a fun double standard. And uh, the 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 reason I was thinking about throwing this as a counterweight to the bad boy is actually from this week's Game of Thrones episode. Yeah. And I'm really sorry if we're dragging Game of Thrones into too much, but to put it very simply. Sansa made a reasonable political suggestion. In a completely inappropriate context, to be fair. Yeah, but yes, it was. And then she was told that she must admire Cersei. And she she said she did, basically. And the implication is that she's, like, headed down the Cersei path. Well, isn't that why, like, people are making a big deal about, like, oh, her hair just looks like Cersei's. So, well, that's the kind of thing they would think is super meaningful. So, yeah, <laughs> they have this. They have the same hair and the same costume because Sansa is becoming like Cersei. Her hair is Marjorie's wig, so I don't even know what anyone's on about. But, um, yeah, no, like people just assume, like, oh, a woman said something that vaguely ambitious, quote unquote, not really, because really. <laughs> this does not benefit Sansa at all. Like, I think people need to remember that the suggestion she's made that she made, like, literally in no way benefits her. Nor is it in any way a statement of political, yeah. like, it's not unreasonable and it's not even a statement of ambition on her part. She was just saying, hey, the law is this, maybe we should do that. Yeah. And what's hilarious to me is that, okay, Cersei is a complicated character on the show because she's two different characters on the show. <laughs> yeah. yes. One is named Carol and she's a poor, put upon, struggling super mom. And the other is named Cheryl, who uh, is like an evil version of Carol, and she drinks a lot of wine and blows things up, and is completely like she's insane, because um, she just murders everyone. So, like that's. But the thing is, like for for three seasons, Cersei was a hugely sympathetic yeah. character, and everyone would be like, "Oh my god, the evil queen! Oh, she's such a bitch! Yeah. Oh, she's just the worst!" And the marketing would be like, "Isn't she the worst?" And you know, there'd be interviewers going up to Lady Heaty, being like, "What's it like playing a colossal bitch?" Yep. <laughs> or like, fan, like fans would shun her at like signings at like yeah. SDCC. They'd be like, "I want everyone's autograph, but Lena Heaty's because Cersei's a bitch." Which is first of all bullshit because Lena Heaty is one of the coolest people ever. Like, she's amazing. Oh, she's awesome. She's yeah, she's a really cool personality. Second of all, what show are you watching? It's just this like poor woman who's getting shit on for being a woman and then her children are in actual danger. We see the danger. One of them was murdered and Two then like she murdered. gets a threat. Well, she gets a threat saying the other one's going to be murdered, then the other one's being raped in front of her by this like mustache twirling antagonist to her. Who and is it's like portrayed as sympathetic for some reason. <laughs> Oh yeah, and who actually is trying to steal the throne yeah. from yes. her and become yes. the queen of the realm and is not yes. entirely a projection. And then people tell like, her that she has no authority and she should shut up and, like, go back to the kitchen. And it's like, it's just like seriously, what it boils down to is that if a woman is, like, mean at all. Yeah. Ever, not even just, not even mean, but, like, assertive. If she's assertive at all. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, she was, I mean, she was downright mean. Yeah, she was. And- but, but even Sansa just assertive. Isn't being, right? Sansa isn't being mean. Sansa's just being assertive. No. And considering yeah. the fact that, like, her throne was literally stolen from under her, she's taking kind of cool. But, you know, like, Marjorie was sort of assertive, wasn't she? So why did she have a positive reputation, whereas these know, two characters are villainized? She's sexy in a way neither yeah. of those characters are. Okay, but sexy femme fatale, that's also a trope, mm-hmm. right? So- yeah, but that tends to receive much more positive 
that's going to have a much more positive reception in the fandom, at least from what I understand of the femme fatale, because, I mean, it's all about sex appeal. Yeah. And, like, that is always going to go well with certain segments of the audience. It's just such a mess. Right. Um, But it's funny to me. I think the only funnier examples I can think of of demonized women, because, like, people saying Sansa's like, oh, she's the Mad Queen 2.0. Like, what? What do you, with Cersei being number one, obviously. Well, and the fact that they seem to be potentially leaning into that on the show, just like yeah, the marketing is telling me. us. The marketing is telling. So like, yeah, I mean, no, costumes I think on the that point show you're... don't lie. Costumes tell you. Yeah, maybe it's because yeah. maybe it's because Marjorie wasn't wearing a black battle no, dress. No, no, like honestly, bounce. maybe that's why. I'm serious. That's because the second the second like Alaria was in a black dress, all of a sudden she was evil. She wasn't evil before. Yep. Olena was. Or maybe in a black... those two. Maybe the only <sighs> see the only like maybe those two things go hand in hand. Yeah, the only potentially that, like. Um, uh, I'm blanking on the word. The only potentially uh, confounding factor here is Daenerys, who is also now in a black dress. We don't know what <laughs> how she's going to be portrayed this season, but we know because yeah, we, we don't spoilers, <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, but like I, I think that it's more. I think it's less. She's in a black dress, so she's evil, and more she's evil, so we put her in a black dress because I like think, that yeah. because they're that not subtle. I think you're right. I think you're right. Like, but that, now, like, now ba- like bad, is. bad, bad, evil women wear black. So speaking speaking of what evil women look like, for that reason, Asami Sato was a character that nobody trusted. She didn't necessarily wear black. I mean, her mechanics uniform was like a dark maroon, mm-hmm. um, but she had that vampish look about yeah, her, right? Yeah, like the strong makeup. Mm-hmm. And she was her. designed to be an equalist spy, but then they started, basically Brian Kodietsko started working with her as like, no, she's good. And what's funny is that Asami was never, like, fully able to shake that <laughs> in the fan. Like, a lot of people love her now, but there's still, like, a bunch of people that were, like, waiting for her to betray everyone. And, like, she's still just kind of demonized. And uh, the big anti-Asami stuff is, like, now she's a war profiteer, a bourgeoisie, oh or something gosh. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm just going to go right ahead and lump Lena Luthor in with her because they're the same fucking character. Because yeah. uh, everyone assumes Lena's going to be evil because she looked at a chess piece once. Well, I mean, and she actually, I mean, she has a very similar visual look. Yeah. Yes. Very vampish. She's got, she's got that long, dark hair. Like the first couple of episodes that she was in, she wore very black, like she wore like black dresses. She wore bright lipstick. Bright lipstick, high heels. Um, her last name is Luther and people are genre savvy. So they assume that Luthers are evil. Um, well, it's not like just her last name. She's literally part of that family. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, Yeah. yeah, until, but. We tried, like, yeah, Luther. we didn't find that out. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 but the point the point is yeah. that it's like people just make the assumptions about her, yeah. which was actually part of her exactly. arc this year. Um, but yeah. then then there's like an end of an episode where she's like contemplating kind of inner darkness. It didn't seem like evil. It just seemed like oh, I have this in me, and like, what does this mean? What does it mean with my choices I'm making? And then everyone's like, oh my god, that's her going evil. What? No, that's, that's like or this or the episode opened with her playing chess with her brother who turned out to be a villain and her during that same episode, her mother, her, you know, adopted mother brought up that fact about chess. And now she's thinking about her family and how they're all fucking evil and how that's related to chess. She's just remembering, like, I remember when my brother loved me and I did, and I didn't have to think about the fact that my mom has to manipulate me into helping her because she doesn't give a shit about me. But I'm just not sure I can think of two bigger cinnamon rolls than Lena. Lu- well, oh Asami, gosh. okay, Asami, Asami sold her merchandise to gangs, but like, <laughs> barring that, and I mean, they, they both make a profit at the end of the day. 
but they're pretty damn good characters. Like every time they have the choice, they choose just. What about you know? Sansa Stark, the real Sansa Stark? She's pretty similarly too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, oh, one hundred percent. Well, they're all the same character. Hey, it's just like I just wrote a piece about this. <laughs> About this exact character. And yeah, she's demonized in the Phantom yeah. as well, too. Because, like, suddenly she's, because like, she trying was, to murder was... Robert herself, and, like... Yeah, and the, that whole thing with, like, King's Road Gate and everything like that, like, when she was a 11-year-old oh kid. Yeah, oh, oh my, my gosh. God. Yeah. Let's let's move on from A Song of Ice of Fire, Game of Thrones, and yeah, dare you. Avatar, because we, we could just be here forever, <laughs> honestly. True. But, like, I was thinking of some seductress-type tropes, like Poison Ivy. Because mm. she's very, very heavily demonized. She is, like, she's not, like, as good as people make her out to be either. But Mm-mm. she's not, like, she's not simplistically just this, like, femme fatale will murder all these men. She's basically an eco-terrorist, is what yeah. she is. Yeah. And, like, I keep thinking about Gotham trying to adapt her. And they had her as an 11-year-old. And then they're like, this is boring. We wish that she could start seducing people now, and oh we don't gosh. know how to show sexual development, so we're just going to recast her and give a bullshit reason why she's suddenly older, so that she can start seducing people. Because yeah. there's nothing in between being a preteen and a seductress. Nope. I remember that happening. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was bad. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's just funny, because she has her, like... She's a, she is more complicated than just being this simplistically evil person, mm-hmm. but, like, her portrayal is just, oh, man... Yeah, in most in most things other than the Batman animated se- series. Uh, I love her in Batman the animated series. Everything about Batman exactly. animated just, series is good. It's so good. So good in so many ways. And Mark Hamill, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Um, but no, I think a lot of times, like, women who have sexual agency, like, it's, I mean, they turn, like, a woman's sexual, they weaponize it. Um, oh, absolutely. Like, and I'm not saying they, the female characters. I mean, like, people who write these characters, like, weaponize the woman's sexual agency, and then that becomes, I think it polarizes people. You get the people who are like, man, look how empowered she is. She's, like, controlling her sexuality. And then you get the people who say, like, no, she's an insert, you know, oh my God. gendered slur here, and she's awful. Isn't, and... that, isn't this the exact debate everyone was having about Gone Girl? Isn't, like, this it? Yeah. I mean, yep. Where I haven't seen the movie, fall? but like, where do you guys fall on that? On Gone Girl? Yeah, I haven't seen it. I just read about it. I mean, I kind of, I get what the author like. I've, I've seen the movie, but like, I've, I've read the book as well, so I kind of consider that more like right. Important. Well, yeah, books. But are always well, not even better, but just like more like if we're talking about the concept, I think the book is more important to talk about than the movie. Um, mm-hmm. like the author says she was going for like kind of to deconstruct the idea of women being like inherently more nurturing than men. And I can see where that goes. Just, just like, you know, like this terrible person who's just like terrible and using her terrible, but like, like she's, she's a person who's using all these like, you know, gendered kind of expectations that are on women against society, right? To like get what she wants Mm. out of it, basically. And like, I see how that story has value, but it is, it is like sometimes like troubling, like, you know, basically, how like, I don't want to spoil you because it's actually a really good story. But um, oh, but, I've read yeah, how she I mean, how I've she gets yeah books, how she so. gets out of the situation in the end is deeply kind of it can I think if you're not if you're not like very like laser focused on like the author's intentions and this is how I'm going to interpret it, it can be interpreted in ways that are not constructive for anyone. Yeah. Mm. Poor Neil Patrick yeah. Harris, you know. Right. Right. He loved her. Yeah. And. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. You know, one example I was trying to think of, I was for some reason like drawing blanks as I got deeper after, basically after I got done with Game of Thrones and Avatar. (laughs) What other characters even exist? Um, And I was thinking of the like the girlfriend character in the. Oh my god, the original one. I was actually thinking of the reboot with Lindsay Lohan because that's the one I know better. But it's the same character in both. Yeah, but in the original one, she has this mother who's the most annoying woman. Oh. Yeah, she really does. And she's all like, like explicitly about the whole seductress thing. Like, there's this entire thing. She has this really annoying voice. That I'm not even trying to emulate, but she's just like, like the no, I yeah, the woman can't stand the dad. Basically, like the femme fatale character, she can't. She doesn't really actually like him. But her mom is just like, think of California and that wonderful community property law, and just smile, darling. <laughs> you know, like it's so like explicit. <laughs> yeah, they kind of tried to do the same thing with yeah. the Lindsay Lohan version. She did seem to actually like Nick a bit. Yeah, but like you um, can't really do that like in that time period, like in the way you could in the sixties. It was just not. Yeah, like it didn't jive. But but then like they made it clear mm-hmm. like she wants to ship the little kid. They, she wants to ship um, Lindsay Lohan. I forget uh. which one. Hallie. Hallie's the one that lives in California. She wants to ship her off to boarding school. Yeah. Which I don't blame her. Hallie was fucking terrible to her. Yeah. But, uh, she's like, like, all you need is like, all it took was she's a hot person who's dating him yeah. and boom, you hate her. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all. And that's like, you wonder why they made her so explicitly a mercenary when like, that wasn't really necessary for the conflict, you know, because like, of course, your dad is remarrying. That's going to be like, you know, kids have trouble dealing with that, even if right. everybody her- involved is lovely and has the best intentions. Like, make her nice. You know? Make her nice. Yeah, why not make her nice? And like, you know, just like, you know, she wants to marry this dude, like, you know, start a new life. But like, you know, he has a kid already. That's going to be a challenge. And just and then at the end, he decides he doesn't want to marry at all. He's actually still in love with his ex-wife. You know, that's a story. It's fine. You don't have to demonize anyone in it. Yeah. Mm. Was the um, what was she a duchess, a countess in the Sound of Music? The Baroness. I was just thinking that actually. I mean, I think that was done a lot better, but there's still definitely shades. Yeah, because she seemed fine. Yeah, I mean, she's a little bit like passive aggressive with Maria, if I recall. Well, kind of like like Heather. Maria was kind of overstepping. Heather was like, you know, testing Greg, and then he failed the test. I think the Baroness was trying to do that a little bit. Everything comes back to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, it doesn't does, it? because it's awesome. Have any of you guys seen Center Stage? No. I haven't, no. Am I just one of the weirdos? Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, that's one of my, like, I am kind of ashamed to admit how much I enjoy watching it because it's, it's, it's bad. It's not good. It's feel not a good movie. Don't worry about it. Um, it's, a, it's like a teen drama movie. About, like, dancing, But it's right? about, it's about ballet. Oh so, like, ballet. But, super- like. There's this one, like, one of the main female characters who's, like, the antagonist one, um, like, and one of the way, like, they demonize her more than she should, and then, like, by the end of the movie, I guess people probably are kind of like, she's okay, but, um, I know a lot of people who liked the movie as much as I did when I was younger, and I still do kind of enjoy it, um, we're just like, oh, she's such a total bitch, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, but, like, her mom was like an amazing ballerina and so she has all this pressure on her mm-hmm. and she gave herself bulimia to be a ballet dancer and she's actually really fucking tragic and yeah. like yeah she's kind of like she could be kind of she's mean like to the other dancers but but like that's because she has a horrible mom well yeah you like, know what's what's funny about the draco malfoy thing julia is that like it takes basically no sec, no time at all to establish an evil female character. Yeah, no, nope. they just have to be like pretty and rich. Honestly, yeah. as soon yep. as that's the case, boom, they're evil. Because Sami, Lena, right? That's like, why they fit into so that. Really. Yes, 
But they're like so obviously not evil. But what I was actually thinking of was in um <laughs> God help me, Holiday in the Sun, <laughs> the Mary <laughs> Kate Nashley oh film. Megan Fox is evil in three yeah. seconds because She's she cuts in she cuts in line at a hotel to check on something yeah, like, before Mary Kate Nashley. Caroline Bingley is the exact same character, really. Yeah, Which is another reason why Emma is so brilliant, because Emma should be Caroline Bingley, but she's not. She's Emma. <laughs> right. No, I totally yes. get what you're going for. Yep. Yeah, but I think it's just funny that it takes, like, no time at all to demonize mm-hmm. a female character. But then if you have a male character who's obviously, like, fucking Kylo yeah. Ren, fascism is cool, I'm a piss baby who killed my dad. And the ever oh, he's so tortured. Just, like, give him a chance. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Right. What is wrong with you? There's one mm-hmm. thing I kind of want to touch on before we go. Um, the word bitch. I like, oh, no, okay. I like, I think like in my daily life, how I bend over backwards never to use that word because there just doesn't seem to be any good way to use it. Like not yep. as a noun anyway, you can use it as a verb. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just, I try and avoid, yeah, yeah I try and I avoid gendered can- slurs as I mean, much as I possibly can. Well, that's true. I, I think I've been favoring fetch lately, but um, for this exact reason, yeah. but like, like how, just like how easy it is to apply it to a particular type of female character. Right. Which is the exact character we're talking about, basically. Mm-hmm. Just, like, a woman who's framed as an antagonist, but is mostly, because. like, assertive. Yeah. Right, because they don't even have to be framed as an antagonist. Yeah. Because, like, Lena Luthor, literally nothing she does is antagonistic. But it's it's, it's, it's the assertiveness. Like, I think, it, like, it's, it's the assertiveness, but kind of, yep. like, the assertiveness that's also tied with the fact that she's not having sex with a male main character. Or maybe she yes. is, but, like, is not having... So... Faith it's on a, Buffy. Yeah. Buffy. But no, but it's an, indep- like, it's an independent assertiveness. Or something like that, you know, like. Yeah. No, yeah. I think there's like an, in, like, there's an assertiveness coupled yeah. with like an independence yeah. from like. But like, like a sexiness, but like a sexiness is not necessarily available to a male protagonist. Yes. Because yeah. if the sexiness is available to a male protagonist, then it's never a problem. She's not evil. Yeah, she's not evil. Well, because like, well, she's using I that mean, sex to manipulate him. Right. I mean, well, I mean, it's, it's patriarchy. Yeah. Like. It's that whole, like, Kylie, you've talked uh, about this in your, like, sexism in Game of Thrones piece about, like, mm-hmm. the dichotomy. I mean, it's the, like, Madonna whore complex. Yeah. Like, yeah, if if she has a sexiness that is a, an assertiveness that is being controlled by a male protagonist, then it's acceptable. What about Marjorie? But if, like, if it is outside of a male protagonist's control, then it's dangerous. Okay, Marjorie's Because it can potentially, okay. because Mar- it can be potentially ex- weaponized. Yeah. I, honestly, Marjorie is just an exception with the marketing of Game of Thrones. I really think that's I, just... I honestly think it's it's because it's Natalie Dormer. There's like, I don't think it has anything to do with the character. I think it has everything to do with the fact that it, that she's played by Natalie Dormer. She's Natalie Dormer and she's allied with, you know, fucking sassy Olena and everything. Oh, haha, that's there's such a hoot. I love Diana Rigg. Like, that's what it is. That's what it comes down to. Well, and Natalie Dormer was coming from, like... Berlin. The Tudors. Like, she... Yeah, the she's... Yeah, she's on other shows where, like, she has very similar, like, yep. vibes. So I think part of it is just, like, the sex appeal of Natalie Dormer. Like, because I can't think of that role going that way if it had been played by anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. All right. Well, mm-hmm. I, I I really like this discussion. It always comes back to the patriarchy. It always comes back to Game of Thrones, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to 
lean into the Game of Thrones prequel mm-hmm. thing because I think it's just funny. Uh, especially for someone who hasn't seen one or the other, if they're like, oh my god, I had no idea. <laughs> uh, yep. So we're going to be doing that. Uh, otherwise, we will be back in a couple of weeks for our next episode. In the meantime, you can check out our writing on thefandamentals.com. Yep. The big things right now is Game of Thrones. Joy and I are covering it. We also yep. are podcasting about it. So we have a live blog on Sunday mm-hmm. nights. You should check it out. It's a lot of fun. We're also podcasting about it every week yep. on Unabashed Book Snobbery. Yes, uh, you, me, and Caroline. No Gretchen. Yeah. Gretchen's not watching anymore. Nope. No, because no. <laughs> no, I stopped watching after season, halfway through season five. And I preferred not to. You don't have to. Good. It's fine. We don't miss you. I, I want I want you to be free of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can check that out. You can also visit the Fundamental store that Gretchen mentioned before. We have some gear related to Game of Thrones. We have some gear related to other stuff yeah, like Supergirl. Winona Earp. Yeah, Earp. Yay! Winona Earp is the other big summer thing that we're doing. It which is. I am doing that one. And it's a big ball of positivity and camp it's and so gay and, and pregnant women stuff. doing things and not just sitting on couches. <laughs> pregnant women like kicking down doors. Yeah. Hey, do you like other positive gay patriarching busting things? You should read Batwoman Rebirth. <laughs> yes. Why do I feel I'll like that's directed it. at me? <laughs> yeah, you it is. should read. <laughs> and you should also read the Detective Comics Rebirth because it ties into it. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> So there's that. Also, if you like this podcast, you should review yeah. us. <laughs> At all the iTunes stores. Even um, the one you're tell, tell a friend, hey, I listened to these three Michiganas and it's pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, other than that, thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Um, let's clap on three. One, two, three. You said let's clap on three. One, two, three, clap. Let's clap the same way we've clapped since the beginning of time. I know, that's why I was confused. And I was like, I have to make sure to clap on three. (laughs) Because she said clap on three and we usually clap on clap. Hello and welcome to The Fandamentalist, the fandom podcast investigating all aspects of geeky media. I just don't know what to do with you, Joy. (laughs) Ugh. <laughs>